1: Welcome in to yet another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Today I'm your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by the dude has been grinding through every single episode of these Power Rankings, and it is Mr. Jaden Kozak.
0: How you doing today, man? Doing all right. Doing all right. Just finished recording our fifth ranked mystery team, which I can't say, but just finished that episode up. Um, was well, a good one. Hopefully this will be a good one as well, and you know, we're... This is number six. After this, we're into the top five, and we've only got a couple teams left to go. I
1: know. It's sad stuff as we're coming towards the end here. But as I've been saying this whole segment, once we're down to the last team, that means football is right upon us. So super hyped for that. Uh, but we're covering the sixth-ranked team in our power rankings today before we head into the top five. And it's a team that was basically locking in top five for the past two years prior to this at least. Our number one and team last year. Yeah, for sure. And they see a little bit of decline this year after their kind of disappointing performance in the playoffs last year. I mean, all that I could think about when I was putting together the Bills rankings and for me personally was Stephon Diggs in the snow looking at Josh Allen on the sidelines with his hands up and Josh Allen just looking down with his head down, not even looking up like that's the whole time that was going through my head when these rankings came about and that's why we got them at six. So not as prolific as they had been in the past few years, but it still is the Buffalo bills and that's why we've got them in the top 10. Um, So let's start diving into it. And as always got to start out with the quarterback position and there's no doubting that Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the national football league that we have today. I mean, he's going to be one of the quarterbacks that we look back in 10, 15 years, and it'll be one of the quarterbacks of our generation that we watched and we saw, and it's one of the greatest quarterbacks of our time. But I mean, there's definitely some critiques to be made. I mean, he was disappointing in the playoffs. He, I, I, I don't know, man, there's a, he's not Patrick Mahomes, And that's really kind of all you have to say at this point. Um, but Got him coming in at third in the quarterback rankings. Still pretty high, but what's your argument against Josh Allen? Everybody, you can sit here and talk great things about Josh Allen. If he went out and won an MVP this year, nobody would be surprised. But what's the case
0: against him? The whole like point is we're supposed to be optimistic and you lead with what do you not like about Josh Allen?
1: Okay, alright. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. I'm not saying you know, I was plenty optimistic. I gave all the great things that I – I just said all these great things about Josh Allen. I'm just saying everybody can go on and talk about Josh Allen for days. But what's like one thing that you're thinking about that might hold him back this year? I don't know. And then you can glow upon him. Go ahead.
0: So – and this has been kind of a thing for the last three years since he took that big step. I mean 2019 to 2020 was one of the biggest step-ups we've seen from a quarterback in a very, very long time. Um, But some of the things that plagued him through the first two years have definitely stayed for, you know, it can be just for a few snaps a game uh, or a few plays a game, a few throws a game. Uh, Sometimes it can be even longer than that. Sometimes it's even less than that. But he will have a couple throws a game where you just are like, what the hell was that? Like you're pretty, pretty confused about what's going on, what's going through his head when he makes some of those decisions. And that was kind of his thing for the few, first few years, where it felt like every other pass was one of those. But he really cleaned that up uh, into the twenty twenty season, fixed that problem, and really has been a superhero of a quarterback since then. I mean, we talk about Patrick Mahomes as one of the, or you know, as one of the best guys in the NFL. I think Josh Allen, you know, when he's on, I mean, there's definitely three or four guys that you can make this argument with. But when he's on, he's right there with with Burrow, with Mahomes. You know, he's in front of Herbert, but like in that class he could even
1: be in a tier by himself like i i know i know i just said what i said about Patrick Mahomes but like if Josh Allen i don't know Patrick Mahomes takes a step back like a slight step back these next few years Josh Allen like rockets forward i mean he's easily the best quarterback and
0: and we saw that I, I, it kind of feels like it, a lot of the seasons jumped, jumbled together but you know middle of last year even early parts of this year <laughs> the take was Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. Like he's jumped Patrick Mahomes and, and Joe Burrow made his argument as well and staked his claim in that conversation. But I think any of those three guys, you cannot go wrong really making an argument that they are the best quarterback in the NFL. I think all of them have their own arguments. You know, Josh Allen is like your ultimate, like create a player um, like Madden style. He's your guy. You know, he is he's probably the guy that I'm least worried about getting hurt. In the NFL, among all quarterbacks, he played through a strained UCL last year, which would sideline a lot of guys. Played through it and played, you know, still pretty good football down the stretch. I mean, there was a slight decline in play. I'm looking at his grades through the first half of the season. He had four, 88 or better grades in the first six weeks, which is pretty crazy. He only had two throughout the rest of the season, but. Still was playing, you know, he ultimately graded out at a 91.6. That's top two or three, I'm fairly certain, among quarterbacks. Like, you're not going to get much better than Josh Allen, even if he's, you know, nursing an injury. Like, there's a reason why they, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, is there's a reason why they haven't really built this offensive lineup as much as maybe some people want them to, is because they don't need to. (laughs) Like, josh allen can take hits just as well as anybody you know he he's like big ben but if he was like with rocket shoes i
1: I don't want to like i didn't want to throw out that comparison because like when you look at them they're two very different quarterbacks and how they play but like as far as size and like getting hit and being able to take it i mean everybody's seen that graphic of big ben and it's like all the injuries over his entire career it's like it plots it out all over his body he didn't like, the amount of injuries he had, he should have missed a ton more games. But he didn't because of his size and how tough he was. And Josh Allen has a lot of the same things. I agree.
0: Yeah, but like like I said, when he's on, you know, he has arguably the strongest arm in the NFL, has top five arm talent. And that's like, you know, arm strength plus being able to make those tight throws and stuff like that. Um, top five arm talent. And he's got, I would say, at least top – like eight mobility in the NFL. I mean, he's not like the pure rusher that a Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, you know, who knows maybe an Anthony Richardson guy like that is, but as far as like a,
1: <laughs> I mean, he's probably the next purest. Rusher yeah. I was about to say him and then
0: like Jalen hurts after that. It's jo- I'd say it's probably Josh Allen. Um, as far as just like, cause when he's running, like it feels like it's, he doesn't like take, he doesn't slide. He doesn't run out of bounds. And that's got to be scary for Bills fans at times. But the thing is, like, he's, you know, built to take those hits. Like, that's what Josh Allen's here for. That's one of his biggest assets is that he doesn't have to slide. He doesn't have to run out of pounds. He can take these hits. Ultimately, it does – I can't remember what the strained UCL play was on, but, like, that could have been a lot worse, you know. A knee injury to Josh Allen more severe than that would have ended their season effectively and brought a lot more doubt into this year. But, like I – like I've said, probably six times in the last five minutes, when he's on, he's one of the two to three best quarterbacks in the NFL and even even when he's not, we still have it third.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I'm not trying to sound <laughs> unoptimistic, man. It's just literally hard to try to find a flaw in Josh Allen's game. Like I think the one thing that I would say, um it's not I'm not comparing him to Carson Wentz. Let's be very clear here. But like you're
0: gonna need to explain yourself here, buddy.
1: Yeah, I know. As far as like pushing himself to try to win the game, like by himself, like kind of trying to make things happen that aren't there, I see a lot of that with Josh Allen sometimes. Like, and you saw a little bit of that at Wyoming. I talked to Bills fans this summer, bro, and that was like something that they talked about, and I never really thought about that. And they said the same thing. Like, I'm not comparing him to Carson Wentz, that is not the case. But as far as trying to make things happen that aren't there sometimes because he thinks that his talent can kind of create, and sometimes it does, certainly does, but that can lead you into mistakes like we saw. In the I playoffs, see it a little you know? bit.
0: The way, you, the way you framed it at first was like it's a good thing of what he does. Like yeah, one of Carson Wentz's yeah. best qualities was like making things no, happen that aren't there and that you see that in Josh appreciate Allen. appreciate you clearing now, that up. Yeah, it's, now I see that it's – the bad part of Carson Wentz of he tries right. to make things happen that aren't there. And that is like, that is kind of what I'm saying with Josh Allen in a little bit at the beginning was there are two or three throws a game where he's just like trying to force a throw that he thinks that his arm talent can get there. or You know, he can squeeze it in a tight window exactly. or even, you know, sometimes in the rushing, like dude, get down. Like you do not need to take that, try to run over that linebacker when you are getting paid as much as you are and this team relies on you as much as they do, just run out of bounds. Um, and those like a couple of decisions, again, that happens, but it's because when those decisions work out, that's why he's here. That's why he's in the top of the NFL.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they got their franchise QB. There's no question about that and they'll be set for many years to come. All right, so let's move on from the quarterback position and let's dive into another group that we have ranked pretty high, and it's the uh, the playmakers for this Buffalo Bills team. And going into 2023, uh, we've got them ranking out at 12th among playmaker groups in the NFL. And it starts with none other than the dude, former Terp, Stephon Diggs, who's become. <laughs> one of the best wide receivers in football, and it's not much else to say besides that. I mean, he commanded so many targets and catches this year and decided not to show up to the beginning of camp because he wasn't being targeted enough, but he was literally being targeted at an historic rate, and if he can see more targets, like I heard on a podcast the other day, I love squeaky wheel wide receivers, like this is not me talking, this is the guy, but like he loves Sweetie Will wide receivers because when they complain, they get what they want. And it's like if it's Stephon Diggs, he's definitely going to get what he wants. And he's probably definitely going to see that target share. They don't have a choice. He's going to help them win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, big things coming for Stefan this year. Uh, Gabe Davis on the um, other side. And disappointing season last year, man, we were expecting a big breakout in his uh, sophomore season. Um, Obviously, everybody remembers uh, that AFC championship game when he went for four touchdowns, I believe, maybe even five, four touchdowns. Um, But he had one of the best receiving games in an AFC championship game that we've ever seen. And we thought that that would carry into last season. It did not. But. Nonetheless, Gabe Davis was still the clear wide receiver two on this team, and nobody's come in to replace him uh, with that position. So they're rocking the same thing going into 2023. Uh, They brought in Trent Shurfield, uh, got him at the uh, slot wide receiver position. Uh, James Cook coming out of the backfield. They also did sign Damian Harris out of New England. Um, It's kind of a matter of debate whether or not One of the, like, I don't know if it's going to be a committee. I don't know if one of these guys runs away with this job. I think I'm leaning more committee. James Cook in the past game, Damian Harris on the ground and the goal line work. Um, They saw, like, you got to give Damian Harris his credit. I mean, Buffalo got absolutely trounced by Damian Harris in the past. And they were like, you know what? He's a really good guy. Let's bring him in. So they obviously like him a lot. I think he's going to see a lot more work than people think. Uh, And then you still got Dawson Knox there at the tight end position, but they did in the first round take tight end out of Utah, Mr. Dalton Kincaid, who could be a serious threat. There's talks that he might even line up in the slot this year, but what do you see happening with this playmaker group in 2023?
0: Yeah, I mean, we have it at 12. Uh, It's definitely heavily weighted on the shoulders of Stephon Diggs. You know, he does often get left out of the conversations with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Adams. And I think he's right in that tier with those guys, especially when he's on, you know, he's never failed to produce since he's gotten to Buffalo. Like he's also really never been injured either. Like it's one of the main things he has health over all these guys, except for maybe, excuse me, uh, Justin Jefferson, who also never really gets hurt, but the rest of the group You've got your concerns for sure, uh, Gabe Davis. Look, I was not not high on Gabe Davis last year. I felt like that the hype was all following that playoff game, and there's no way he would be able to live up to that. He didn't. <clears throat> um, Damn, geez, dude! I'm getting I honestly, choked I up talking about Gabe Davis's
1: disappointment season, bro. I'm choked up about it too, man. Yeah, I, I mean,
0: I, I didn't. A lot of Gabe Davis, I had. So. I think I had Gabe Davis for maybe two weeks last year. I mean, our league players get traded around all the time. So it's not, you know, super unusual to have a guy for only two weeks and move him off. But he was dealing with a sprained ankle last year uh, that came out uh, this past off or this off season that, you know, not a lot of nobody really knew about. Uh, Like it wasn't like he was never questionable or anything like that. He was always in the starting lineup, but was nursing that strained sprained ankle all year. And I think that could have definitely contributed to his dip in production or his dip, From what was expected of him Uh, and maybe we do see a bounce back here for him a little bit of post-hype buying for Gabe Davis maybe if you uh, if you believe that Uh, I don't think I have any shares of him but maybe if I can get him on the cheap I would be interested in that Uh, as far as the slot wide receiver goes it is Trent Shurfield right now who made some plays in Miami last year and some plays in San Francisco the year before that I do think that there's a world where Khalil Shakir takes this job you know he did play Uh, primarily in the slot. It was not a huge uh, disparity between a slot and out wide, but I do think that he can play the slot for them. And When he played last year, he definitely wasn't bad. He's a younger guy, younger option. Uh, We'll just kind of see who ends up winning that spot, but I definitely think he's going to give him a run for his money, even though he's technically uh, back up to Stephon Diggs at this point in time. The running back room, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think it could very well be Damian Harris on first down, and then James Cook on second and third downs, maybe like obvious run situations like second and short for damien harris but other than that i do think that james cook probably has a 60 percent snap share here um with you know damien harris kind of spelling him a little bit more but james cook going to be getting a lot of the passing where damien harris never really was a pass catcher in new england then at tight end that's where things kind of get interesting because you do have Dawson knox still here who they did give a contract uh, i talked about it a little bit with dalton schultz like I don't think there's anything special about Dawson Knox. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good tight end. I think if you plug eight to 10 other tight ends in this spot for Dawson Knox, you're getting a lot of the same thing. Uh, And they, I think the bills know that when they drafted Dalton Kincaid, because Dalton Kincaid is a special player. You know, he is an elite route runner at the tight end position or can be an elite route runner at the tight end position. Uh, Could be, is a very good athlete, very good speed, problem is he's not really a tight end like he cannot block that is one thing like Dawson Knox isn't a fantastic blocker but he's going to be better than Dalton Kincaid and I talked about that slot wide receiver role if you know Trent Shurfield or Khalil Shakir don't look like they're taking that job there have been some rumblings that Dalton Kincaid could end up taking that job as the slot wide receiver and he fits that role maybe honestly a little bit better than the tight end role that he's currently slated at um like if you're talking fantasy I think Dalton Kincaid loses value if he goes to slot wide receiver, honestly. Like if he officially becomes a wide receiver because then he is the wide receiver three versus being a tight end and getting that production. Like if he's a tight end that plays in the slot like Kyle Pitts, it's it's not the as a player, it's the fact that he's changing positions. Like if he if his player label is at wide receiver, he becomes much less of an asset in at least for fantasy purposes. But if he's, you know, a tight end that happens to play in the slot a lot, I think you're talking about a really good tight end here. Rookie tight ends usually don't perform very well, but we could see some solid production from him, especially if he's playing in the slot and it might take a little bit, but very well could happen.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there has been a lot of talk about putting Kincaid into that slot position. We'll see. I mean, he definitely has the talent to do so and to make it work officially. Um, so that'll be exciting to see. I think Khalil Shakir definitely has a chance to step in there. Um, I mean, it was Isaiah McKenzie last year. And we thought that Isaiah McKenzie was going to have a really solid opportunity. And he just had some drops. He really wasn't like looking like a trusted guy. In that and that's opposition. Then they moved Khalil Shakir over there as they came towards the end of the year last season. And he made some nice plays. But they brought in Trent Shurfield. They brought in Kincaid. So I don't know. There's something about Shakir that they don't love. I think that I've seen that he's doing some special teams work now. I mean, he's prolific at Boise State. So if he can carry some of that success over to Buffalo, he should be pretty fucking good. But hasn't translated yet, but he's going to his sophomore year. Sophomore breakout could be in the plans for Khalil Shakir. And uh, before we move on from the playmakers, just wanted to mention, because I mentioned how Damian Harris ran all over Buffalo when he played him. And he, in fact, did. He played four games against Buffalo in his career. Uh, three of those games, he went up over 100 yards. He scored four total touchdowns, uh, 10 yards to carry, six yards to carry, six yards to carry. Like, dude, he was an absolute monster against this team. They remembered and they brought him in the offseason. So I think he's going to be used a lot this season. So, all right. Let's move on from the playmakers of the Buffalo Bills and let's dive into this offensive line unit, which we mentioned isn't up to snuff with the rest of this team, probably. But maybe you don't necessarily need it, you know, because you got Josh Allen. So let's dive in. Uh, You got Deion Dawkins still playing tackle for them. Uh, You got Michael Morse. No, not Michael Morse. Mitch Mitch Morse Morse at the center presentation. Michael Morse used to play for the Orioles. Uh, not quite the sport that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh Connor McGovern at guard. Uh you got Osiris Torrance at the other guard position. And that's a guy I'm kind of excited about. I mean there was there was some comms of the commanders taking him at some point. I mean he was gonna be an offensive lineman that fell in the draft. Um he used to be scout like well, I've been talking so much about like a year before the draft, oh, like Osiris Torrance a year before the draft was a premier prospect heading in, um, definitely fell in the draft process, but they grabbed him probably going to start him at guard. But I mean, it's not a terrible group. I mean, where do you see the, uh, the signs of weakness coming from the O-line?
0: Uh, well, the signs of weakness right now are kind of everywhere. Like, Deion Dawkins is probably your best lineman here, and again, I'm yeah. trying to be a little bit more optimistic with these episodes.
1: I felt like I was just pretty optimistic, to be yes, honest. Not to um, pat my eyes back or anything, but yeah, go. But
0: the fact of the matter is, we have him at 28th. and I don't really know if there's too many fans that would have them much higher than that. I mean, there's you you don't have an above average player on this line. I think Deion Dawkins is an average starting tackle in the NFL. Uh, that's about all you're going to get from him. Mitch Morse getting a little up there in age, still didn't even grade out very well last year. Spencer Brown graded out towards the bottom of the NFL for tackles. Connor McGovern, bet you didn't know this, not one, but there are two Connor McGoverns. I had to like do a triple take when I was putting it I know, that, man, me like, too. When I, was, when I was going through and doing some research for this, two Connor McGoverns that play on the interior offensive line in the same division.
1: But... One of them has a handlebar mustache.
0: One of them does not. That is the one thing, uh, and it's also both spelled the same because there's a lot of different ways you can spell yeah. Connor. You can go two N's. You can go E instead of O. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do there, but they happen to be spelled exactly the same. In McGovern, I don't know if I've ever known another McGovern than these two Connor McGovern's. So, nope. Very interesting thing there. Uh, he also graded out towards the bottom of the league. Was the worst of the two <laughs> Connor McGovern's, unfortunately, but. Yes. We are going to finish on a happy note because Osiris Torrance I liked a lot. I thought was a first-round player for sure. Uh, had put together great tape. Um, depending on what you think of Peter Skoronsky and if he's a guard or not, um, was the number one guard in this class, I think, pretty easily. Wasn't the first guard taken, to my surprise, Steve Avila, and I believe another guard went in front of him. But – he was phenomenal specifically in run blocking. He is going to really pave the way. I mean, he might step in here and be the best run blocker on this team right away. Like yeah. there's a real shot of that happening. I think that Osiris Torrance, it's hard to say that he would jump a uh, Dion Dawkins, who I, like I said, is a starting level tackle in the NFL. Um, but like, I would not be surprised if Osiris Torrance is a pro bowler in two to three years, especially playing on a good team like this, you get a little bit more publicity than if you were playing somewhere else. But yeah, like this is that's the bright spot, but the problem is like if they don't take Osiris Torrance, you're not looking at this offensive line and going, well, there's optimum Like it would have been almost impossible for me to pick a breakout candidate if it wasn't for Osiris Torrance being here. Like he yeah. was the obvious choice, the really the only choice. A lot of these guys are veterans, have been in the league for a little bit, haven't seen a whole lot from them since they got into the NFL. And like I mentioned, like, they've been hesitant or, you know, just maybe straight up haven't uh, invested in this offensive line, at least in the past few years. They went on a run from, like, when they drafted Josh Allen to, I believe, like 2020 or 2021 where they were heavily, heavily investing in the trenches. And, you know, we'll talk about it in a second. It really worked out on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they got a couple really nice pieces there. Really did not work out on the offensive side of the ball. Really couldn't grab anybody that – you know you feel good about going into any given season except for Deion Dawkins and hopefully Osiris Torrance and Mitch Morse I guess again average starting center but he does great out of 24th last year and he's getting up there in age so I can't expect a better season from him than we saw last year And 61 not good
1: yeah that's for sure I mean personally I'm just happy to uh, receive some affirmation on some online analysis for like the first time this year So I'll take that as a win. But let's move on from this offensive line and dive into this front seven. And as we go into this defense, it is one of the best defenses in football right now. And it's supported by this front seven, that's for sure. Uh, They got Greg Russo coming off the edge, and he's joined by One of the best defensive players of all time. And I don't feel like that's really hard to say at all. Uh, Von Miller coming off the edge as well. Uh, You got Ed Oliver still coming up the middle. Matt Milano still doing his thing in linebacker. But who are you excited to talk about? They also have some nice background pieces. Like they got Leonard Floyd coming off the edge if they see an injury. You know, so that uh, Leonard Floyd was really good for the Rams for a little bit. Um, So got to love him. They still got Espinosa. And then I kind of didn't really spit that out how it should. Uh, but they still got my boy, Tim Settle, when they got him from Washington. So they got depth on this front seven as well, which I like a lot.
0: Yeah, poor fucking Tim Settle, dude. Like, I, for like two or three years, was like, get Tim Settle out of Washington because he's not going to play over John Allen and uh, Deron Payne. And he comes here to Buffalo and immediately he's sat back on the bench didn't play very well last season, um, but his years in Washington, he was great. Um, but he is behind Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones, two very good players. Uh, I really liked Ed Oliver coming out of the draft. This was really before I got into the draft, but just a little bit I saw of him. I really liked it. Uh, never really developed as a run stopper. That's kind of what's holding him back. I think if he did develop as a run stopper, he could have fulfilled and you know been worth that ninth overall pick that they took him with. Doesn't look like it's gonna happen at this point. We are headed into year five for him, maybe even year no, it is year five because he was a 2019 guy. I'm pretty sure. Um we look into it. You keep talking. Yeah, and but you know, there's still potential there with him because like I said, he is one of the better pass rushing uh defensive tackles, and that's very valuable in the NFL. I mean, we saw that with Javon Hargrave. Uh, this past offseason, you know, guys, I mean, Dexter Lawrence isn't exactly a specialist in one or the other. He's just really good at both. But guys like that are going to get paid. Draymond Jones is another example. Really good pass rusher, not a great run defender. Uh, there's a world where Ed Oliver is getting $18-plus plus million dollars a year this offseason. And the bills with Josh Allen's contract with Diggs and the guys in the secondary and the guys that are already here can't afford to pay that. So this may be the last year that you get Ed Oliver here in Buffalo. Um, Did you check the contract situation before I continue to dwell on that?
1: Yes, he's. I didn't check the contract situation, but he was a 2019 draft pick at ninth overall.
0: So then I think they did accept his fifth round or fifth year option, and that's this year. And then after that, they're going to have to make a decision on that. Uh, On the edge, you have one of the best, one of the more underrated edge duos. I think a lot of people forgot about this. You know, even myself included, with Von Miller missing the second half of the season due to injury. People kind of forget that he's here. Honestly, like it just kind of felt like he won with the Rams. It goes off in retirement, like that's it. But he's still here. He was still playing really well to start the season. Uh, Greg Rousseau on the other side of him, I think is really good. I, you know, was a great pick by them in the late first round in twenty twenty one. If they, if he can take another step this year, you are talking about one of the elite edge duos in that same conversation as Pittsburgh, as Cleveland, as Dallas. Um, like really elite. Group, especially with that interior as well you do have leonard floyd here tim settle adrian Fett, like you have really good depth like this is some of the best depth that you're going to see on the defensive line in the nfl you still have matt milano here who definitely proved his worth as one of the best linebackers in the nfl they do let tremaine edmonds go to chicago he gets a big deal from them um, i'm a little excited about dorian williams out of Tulane. i think that he could take that spot uh, that second linebacker spot but it's really just this is Matt Milano's spot, uh, really. And you're going, you're, all your assets on this front seven outside of Milano are going into that front four. And that's really what you're excited about.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if you do see an injury similar, uh, hopefully not, but like if Von Miller does get banged up like he did last year, I mean, you've got that depth on the edge that you really, I mean, obviously, you're, you're not skipping the same a beat. You are 100% yeah.
0: skipping a beat. But. Like not but, as the, hard of a beat as a lot of teams well were. that and the other thing is they don't have to play von Miller ninety five percent of snaps. they can rotate these guys, keep them all fresh by you know bringing in a Leonard Ford bringing in an e- Epinesa. I don't, I don't know if it's Espinessa
1: yeah, I know I can't get it off I my can't. tongue. I've heard it said a hundred <laughs> times and I can't espinessa Espinessa I don't know bro. it's
0: like you can really good those football guys player. in good solid football player Maybe yeah. not worth the second round pick that he was he's not with, von but. Miller. He's no Von Miller. That's also true. Uh, But you can keep Von Miller fresh, you know, at this age, you're going to want to maybe not play him as many snaps as you would a few years ago, but you can keep him fresh with this, you know, stable. I mean, we remember seeing that in week one last year where they were just like running guys out. Like it was like four or five, six guys that had really good pressure rates in that first Rams game where they just absolutely dominated the Rams in week one on uh, uh, that season opener.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, this defense has been I mean, it kind of gets overshadowed by Josh Allen in the offense, but this defense has been one of the better defenses for the past three years. And they've really only gotten better since. So let's dive into the second half of this defense that has been notorious. I mean, the secondary, the safety duo especially has been so popular for the past three years and has continued to dominate. We'll say it is starting to get older. But we still have him coming in at fourth overall um, upon secondary groups in the NFL. Got to start with Trey White, who's still one of the premier cornerbacks in the league. He's got to prove it on the field more. Like, I mean, he's obviously we've seen it from Trey White, but he's been banged up with injuries. So hopefully he can see a full season this year. Um, He's joined by the rookie from last season, and that's Kair Elam, uh, brother of Matt Elam. And I think... That's why I got Adrian Amos mixed up with the other day uh, because Elam was a super high safety draft pick that I thought was going to be good and didn't end up panning out. But nonetheless, I digress. Uh, but he Almost should be pretty good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. I think they're like cousins or something. I don't know if they're brothers because they oh. are like nine years apart. You keep oh, yeah. talking. I'll write right. that up.
1: Fair. Okay. Uh, but you got Elam there. You got Teron Johnson in the slot cornerback position. And then, as I mentioned, the safety duo is has been – Probably the best safety duo for the past three or four years. You got Micah Hyde, you got Jordan Poyer. And if anything happens to them, you got the dude who was one of the stories of the NFL last season, and that's DeMar Hamlin. So, got to love that. But a really solid secondary group. Who are you looking forward to watching this year?
0: So, before we get into this, so Matt Elam's brother, Abram Elam, played in the NFL from 2006 to like 2012 ish um and that's matt elam's brother abram elam's son is kair elam so matt wow. elam is Kyir elam's uncle what yeah both oh went to, both wow went to florida, if i'm not mistaken that ages me a little yep, bit both went to florida Good god yeah it is that's a little weird i mean elam was a 2013 pick um I think, and Abram came in in 2006, so seven years between them, and then, you know, yeah. a little bit between there. So kind of all mats out. When you put it um, like that, though, it makes me feel really old. Yeah, it definitely is weird to hear because, <laughs> like, when I first hear that, I'm like, they both went to Florida. They're both last names, Elam, the probably brothers, you know, but, yeah. you know, it was almost 10 years ago now. I mean, Kair Elam was a 2022 pick, Elam Matt Elam was a 2013 pick, so pretty crazy. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, Kair didn't really play very well in his rookie year was, you know, Christian Benford was a sixth round player for them as a rookie last year was, you know, I wouldn't say outplaying him, but they were playing on a similar level. And that's, I mean, that's great for Christian Benford, but that's not what you want to see out of Kyrie Elam. Jadavius um, White, I'm still holding on that he can be an elite player in the NFL at 2020 season was really, really good. I still think he's one of the 15, 18 best corners in the nfl it's kind of hard to rank him any higher than that with the recent seasons he's had they haven't been bad but they haven't been particularly good either we know how corner fluctuates you know goes back and forth between seasons maybe this is one of those good years for tredavious white you also have teyron johnson here just solid slot corner this is your definition of a middle of the league slot corner not bad not good or you know not bad but not going to you know win any games for you, even though and Trey White only played in six games last year, so yeah, he was banking, he did up miss. And year. Poyer missed some games too, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Yeah. And um, I think Micah Hyde even missed some games. Micah, Micah Hyde missed, uh, only played that 100 whole snaps season. last year, yeah. So he, yeah. he pretty much and it was kind of like it reminded me of the uh, David Bactari situation from the year before. But it was like every week, it was like Micah Hyde should be back next week, like it were well, like I remember coming into the podcast and I was like, Chase well, Young should be back next week, Chase Young should be yeah. back next week. But like, that was like much more like, like I remember coming to the power Rankings and I'm like, well, you know, we do have to remember, you know, Micah Hyde's going to be back in like two weeks and maybe, and he just, he never ended up coming back. Uh, there was even a lot of rumors this off season that Jordan Poyer was going to be going to like, I think going, him going to Miami at one point, I like, and I don't know how much uh, certainty there was to this, but it felt like it was like a sure thing. Like, Everybody or in the media, it might have been the Jets, but it was somewhere else in the AFC East that he was going to go because he was a free agent. Uh, they end up bringing him back and bringing the safety duo back together because uh, without him, this is definitely not the fourth ranked uh, duo in the NFL or the fourth ranked secondary in the NFL. Um, you also have Demar Hamlin here as well. Glad to see him get back on the field uh, this preseason and into this season as well. It's obviously phenomenal story. Has comeback player of the year on lock, um, but. Overall, fourth-ranked group. You feel really good about this. Fourth-ranked secondary, sixth-ranked front seven. About as good as you're going to get on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, these three names: Trey White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. I mean, those have been the staples of this Buffalo defense for the years that they've been successful so far. And I mean, they are starting to get older. It's it's kind of Legion of Boomish, you know, kind of not Legion of Boom, <laughs>
0: like but Legion of like bow really good like some like okay okay like all right less less uh crackle
1: because not boom so then you got to think of like smaller
0: smaller sounds
1: onomatopoeias i think that's what it is Legion and of onomatopoeia. Then...
0: <laughs> okay the, the legion of,
1: of onomatopoeia is
0: legion of like snap like oh okay or legion
1: legion of, of whisper Ooh.
0: We'll, uh, okay. We'll start marketing. Oh. We'll, mar- we'll t- I'll talk to somebody in the Bills front office see if we can put that on a t-shirt.
1: Yeah, for sure. Legion of Whisper, Legion of Onomatia, we'll yeah. Connections.
0: Sure yeah, for sure. Got a t-shirt guy or something.
1: we we'll roll out the marketing brand for this uh this Legion of Boom part 2. Uh, that's like they're all about to retire and that's the only reason I basically mentioned it, but let's move on uh into this a coaching uh group for the Buffalo Bills. And we've got them coming in at 17th. I think there's definitely an argument to be made that Sean McDermott belongs a little farther ahead, maybe. Um, but, I mean, he's not helped by his offensive coordinator or his defensive coordinator. So.
0: Yeah. His OC, Ken, Dor- Ken, Dorsey, Ken Dorsey could very well be a head coaching candidate if things go well here. Like, he called a really good offense last year. I mean, people forget... That you look at like a lot of the advanced numbers, the EPA numbers throughout the regular season last year, they were number one in both of those categories at multiple points throughout last year. I was one of the driving factors in having Sean McDermott a little bit lower than some people may think he deserves to be. Um, But you really look around throughout the NFL, there's a lot of good coaches in the NFL. And when you have Josh Allen, when you have Stefan Diggs, when you have this defense that they've had you expect a little bit more success than what they've had. I mean, they've had, they had one AFC championship appearance in 2020. Haven't been further, haven't gotten there since then and have never been further than that. You know, and this was a team that last year was the bonafide Bowl favorite throughout the NFL, AFC or NFC. You know, they did suffer some injuries, but they still had Josh Allen. They still had Stefan Diggs. Expectations were still super, super high. uh, And they ended up falling in the divisional round of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think that, quite frankly, you know, I think Sean McDermott has done a good job here. And as he's taken over for defensive coordinator because of um, Leslie Frazier's retirement, um, which also was because of a dispute that the two of them had. Who I don't, I'm not in that locker room. I don't think anybody is. The report is that McDermott took over play calling like a year or so ago when the Chiefs had that thing, and the relationship is just frayed ever since then. Um, who's to really say? But he's now the defensive coordinator here as well as the head coach. Um, I would not be surprised. We talked about it with the Jets. We talked about it with the Browns. We talked about the Chargers, Cowboys. If things don't go well, and for the Bills, I honestly feel like that's like Super Bowl appearance or bust, quite honestly. Maybe maybe even conference championship appearance. Um, if they don't get there, I think McDermott's let go here. I think that they've ran this thing back enough times. You know they've had Josh Allen playing at a top two or three quarterback level for three seasons now, and the other two guys that are in that conversation with him and Mahomes and Burrow both have at least a Super Bowl appearance under their belt. In that time, Mahomes has two and a ring. Josh Allen has zero. And it's you know I would even be a little bit more understanding if the like the thirteen second call thing happened in the conference championship like in 2020 but they got embarrassed in 2020 they lost by i'm pretty sure two scores and you know that heartbreaking very close loss happened in the divisional round who knows what happens uh if they play cincinnati in the next round i just feel like that they might be going in a different direction maybe a more offensive center direction especially when you have a quarterback here like josh allen they maybe want to create a more dynamic offense maybe it is ken dorsey that takes over this job uh, if things go south here for Sean McDermott, because I mean i I was very surprised. Oh, do, you that
1: really that, do you really think that? you really think that Dorsey is an upgrade dude, over Sean McDermott?
0: Maybe not an upgrade, but I mean, we talked about it in the last couple episodes with a couple of these other coaches. It's maybe not what should have happened, but it's probably what's going to happen because you know teams. You you who are they going to blame? Like last year they kind of pointed at some injuries and they didn't really make a whole lot of upgrades throughout the roster. Like we, you know, they added they added their draft picks. They didn't really make a whole lot of free agent signings. Uh, they even let Jermaine Edmonds go. Whereas the year before they were ultra aggressive going to get Von Miller and they took Kyrie Elam in the first round. Like that was the year they were pushing all the chips in. They fall short, they fall short again last year. And I honestly just feel like that if they fall short again, they they don't have any fingers to like there's nobody point fingers at other than the coach. They're not going to trade Josh Allen. There's not really many avenues that you can go. Like you don't have the money to go sign a free agent. You don't have like a top, you know, another team's draft pick or something that you can use to acquire another player. Somebody's got to be to blame here. And I, you know, fair or unfair, I think it might be Sean McDermott.
1: And, like, I can definitely see that. I mean, crazier things have happened in the NFL. I mean, you kind of, as you mentioned, you look to point fingers after a season is over and it doesn't live up to expectations, especially when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen. Um, I mean, it's understandable. And I could definitely see Sean McDermott out of town after this year. Now, I will say, Josh Allen is young. Like, he's still, even though Burrow and Mahomes have done what they have done, historically, no quarterback has ever done what Patrick Mahomes did and come even close, you know? So it's like, that. if he wins one at 27, 28, like, that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of time left in Josh Allen's career, especially as a quarterback. So yeah, if you want to keep stability, keep Sean McDermott there. But I don't know. It's a, I don't know. It,
0: you know, again, like I said, fair or unfair, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And if – If they lose in the divisional round again, like, I cannot see them running it back again after that's kind of what they did last year was – or this past year was just like, all right, well, we lost. You know, we had a couple guys dinged up, but who walks into the playoffs healthy? Like, and we're we're just going to run it back again. I can't see the front office doing that again. Like, I don't think that they've got to make, you know, I don't think Josh Allen's going to ask out or anything like that. But I just feel like somebody is going to, you know, catch the falling sword and it's going to have to be Sean McDermott because there's nobody else to really point it at.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then, like, it it would suck. But then you could start to have that conversation. I know he wasn't there last year, but like you could start to throw a lot of the success that the Bills have seen maybe on Brian Dayball. You know, and then maybe you start to drift away and from Sean the thing McDermott. Was
0: Dorsey like wasn't a huge step down. I mean, he came in and implemented a game plan that worked well. Um, it wasn't as good as Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball, we you know, we have him as after year one in New York, maybe a little bit too high, but we do have them at sixth and you know, it's kind of hard to replace that with another you can't find that guy as a coordinator twice in a row. Like it's very rare to see lightning strike twice like that, but It's not like it's been a disaster. This hasn't been a, you know, Matt Canada experiment here with Ken Dorsey. Like, he has been a more than serviceable offensive play caller.
1: Yeah, for sure. Got to agree there. But, all right, let's move on from the coaching staff and let's dive into. Headed into 2023. And as far as the colorfulness goes, definitely pretty colorful. I mean, I definitely. I feel like the varyingness of colors, like I think you start to get light towards the middle and it's like reddish orange and then you go like back towards your blues toward the end. So I think that's throwing me off a little bit. But this is the seventh hardest schedule in the National Football League according to Strength of Schedule. We got their over underrated at 10 and a half. Vegas does. We don't put those over unders together. But uh, gosh, man. I mean, it's a really... Nice beginning of the schedule, bro. I mean, first eight weeks of the season, you play the Giants, you play the Dolphins. The Jags might give you some comp, but besides that, I feel pretty good about the first eight weeks of the season for Buffalo, and then, God, you play Cincy, and then you play Denver. Yeah, bro, wow. Jets,
0: Eagles, bye week Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins.
1: It's a very hard stretch. If they dance. walk
0: out of that above 500, you're happy if you're Buffalo. Also, sorry if uh, I didn't transition quick enough. I accidentally set off my Siri, and then when I was talking, it thought that I wanted to play Shot Caller by French Montana. So hey, in my ear while dope. I was uh, trying to <laughs> talk, and it may have cut out my audio, and I didn't hear you transition over to the schedule. You're <laughs> a little late. You're like sitting there talking about the Blues, and I've still got the secondary up, but that's okay.
1: Ah. They can see it now, man. That's what matters. But I think, god damn, dude, that is a really tough end of the season for them. If they start out hot, they can build upon that. I'm going to go the over. I mean, this is the Buffalo Bills, and it is Josh Allen. It is Stephon Diggs. It is Von Miller. Like, this is a team. They'll make the playoffs, and if they're going to make the playoffs, they're probably going to catch more than 10.5 wins.
0: Yeah, I like (sighs) – as long as everybody stays healthy, I think they do clear this number. Um, no guarantees that they're going to win the division, you know, especially with the division they're in. We had the dolphins at eighth, we had the jets at ninth, we have them at six. So it's very clear that there's, this is one of the most top heavy divisions in football, but I think they clear it. If it was 11 and a half, I probably am going under, but I, th- I think they can get to 11 wins even with a pretty tough strength of schedule but let me tell you they better start out they better start hot like you you've got to start they have to i'm talking maybe four or five and oh you know at least five and one heading into week seven against new england which they're set up to
1: do you know like i mean that is definitely in the script for this year i mean that first eight weeks of the season is not tough you know I mean, ugh. you play the, the Eagles in week 12. You play the Bengals in week nine. But besides that, you play the Jets twice. Really, before you're by in week 13, you're not facing that tough competition. But you better come out of that by locked in well, to face the, the Chiefs. Line to me, like, Cowboys, I know that the
0: bye is by there, and that's nice that they get the bye like, right as they're, you know, they get a few games of that rough sweat stretch, and then they get the bye, and then they have to go to Kansas City right out of that bye. Uh, Jesus Christ, they get the two reigning Super Bowl Teams on the road with a bye sandwiched in between, they get they have to go to Philly bye week, go to Kansas City. That's pretty rough, but that's why I'm saying like they better start out. You know, you better be heading. Let's say you you need to head into Cincinnati at least six and two, Um, because if they go 500 in that stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games, if they go four and five in those games, you're going under this line, and in this AFC, you're in danger of missing the playoffs. So, like, Jets, Dolphins are, like, the two that I would point at and be like, those could be losses, but the Bills have had those games. They had one uh, one or two of those games last year. They had a couple of them the year before where they just, like, everybody's looking around like, what the hell's going on here? Like, why, why are they playing as well as they could be? I think the Giants could catch them by surprise. I think the Jags could catch them by surprise. New England, like – If you slip up, or let's say, you know, they suffer some early season injuries and they're walking into Cincinnati at like four and four or five and three, you're really concerned about the outlook for this team, uh, even just getting into the playoffs, much less winning the division.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, out of the top 10 teams that we have in our power ranks, I mean, the Bills are probably, I don't know, I don't want to say concerning, but. No, because like,
0: I think that, so in my mind, the number six up to the Bills we took a tier gap up like I feel like there's less concerns with the Chargers or there's less concerns with the Bills than there are with the Chargers I just feel like the Bills don't have the dumb shit happen to them like the Chargers do and like the Dolphins have already had with a Jalen Ramsey or like the Jets tend to do, and the Browns tend to do, and the Cowboys tend to happen. Like all those teams, while they're good teams, and if you wanted to like really break it down, roster piece by roster piece, you could make an argument that they're right in the same level as the Bills. But quite frankly, it's just a gut feeling thing, and the tier gap happens right now to teams with like legit Super Bowl borderline expectations. Um, among from these teams from the Bills on up for the rest of the way. It's kind of Super Bowl or bust for these teams, and like I said, if you're heading into that game in week nine at Cincinnati, and you're sitting at five and three, you're in jeopardy of maybe even missing the playoffs unless you go on a crazy run to finish the year going through an absolute gauntlet of a schedule.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be an interesting road to the playoffs with Buffalo Bills, but can't wait to watch it, man. I mean, we got them ranked at six. They could definitely do it, but... It's seen. It remains to be seen what the Buffalo Bills do in 2023. But let's do dive into this rankings segments or
0: group. No, no. A ranking segment. Yeah, a ranking a segment. segment. Yeah. You probably yeah, it's said that like 15 times throughout the course of these power rankings. But today you are like ah. I want That's to try right. something new today. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound right. Yeah.
1: We're trying to rename the Legion of Boom. You know, it's a it's a funky episode. But let's dive into this ranking slide to wrap it all up. Uh, as we said, we got them coming in at sixth overall in the power ranks. Uh, offense comes in at fifth among the Blitzpod consensus. Uh, the defense sits at the same rank, comes in at fifth among the Blitzpod consensus. And we've got the window is open, but as we've discussed, it's starting to close fast i understand that i will say like josh allen's still young so like as long as you have josh allen this window is going to be open so but what's your explanation
0: so and i wanted i might you know we haven't posted this on instagram yet so maybe you know go check it out on instagram because i may have changed it i may change it to just closing um because you know, we were putting the championship window for another team together, and I was like, well, they're probably closing as well. But, you know, you say that Josh Allen is only, what, 26, 27. But then you look at the other pillars on this roster. Stephon Diggs entering age his uh, age 30 season. Von Miller, I believe, is heading into his age 32 or 33 season. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are both about to enter their 30s. Trey White, we haven't seen elite level play from him for two or three years now, and you know, corner don't really corners don't really age well typically. And you're now looking around, and if those guys start to age out, you may have to flip this roster completely over. And That's good Josh plan. Allen's great. And if Josh Allen's, you know, they can maybe flip this thing back around by before he turns 30 but if they don't get it this year and those guys like maybe start to show their age during the regular season and that's why they don't get there and you're looking around and you might have to flip this roster upside down that's usually a 2 to 3 year process even if you're building around a franchise quarterback to you know i mean the offensive line is still a extreme work in progress here not to mention, you know, we talked about it with the weaponry that it's very heavily carried by Stefan Diggs. If Stefan Diggs isn't Stefan Diggs two years from now, we're talking about a much lower ranked offense. And the defense is built a lot on veterans. They have kind of not been doing too great on their last few draft picks. You know, um, Kyrie, Kyrie Elam, Greg Rousseau, I think was still a good pick, but we haven't seen him be as productive as he was with Von Miller without Von Miller. Um, and you, you know again you look around the rest of the defense it's not a whole lot of homegrown talent that they've drafted recently to prove that um they can build this thing to be a really top level defense and i mean if it's if they fill out fifth offense fifth defense are we certain that they're going to make a super bowl appearance that may not even be a possibility and you know fifth defense. it's fifth a possibility def- well yeah i know but i'm saying like In this AFC, you know, we still have three teams left in front of them. Like, there's a world where it doesn't happen, and if it doesn't happen, I can't see them ranking higher than fifth next year because of the age of this, you know, because of the age of the defense. And if you can't do it with the fifth-ranked offense and the fifth-ranked defense, then when the defense gets older and gets worse, you're getting really concerned. Now, we're going to say it. We're going to do it. This was the biggest discrepancy from – what three of us had to what another person had among the overall rankings in any with any team um if we look at the overall rankings give me one second i had the bills at sixth or no i had them at fifth so i had them you know right where they are you had them at sixth
1: mitchell had them at third Tell me why. For a second, I thought it might have been me. <laughs> I was like, "Am I the one that's like?" Because I've been so do you, far. Do on you a lot know? Of
0: these, do you know what this? Is, well, do you know what I'm about to say? Is it Tyler? It's got to be Tyler. Well, it's man. got. It's, it's Tyler. Tyler has them at fifteenth. Oh word! Part of Good me God. wanted to tell you take a day off. I'm gonna get Tyler for this episode, yeah. and yeah. we're gonna make millions. But yeah. didn't work out. Um, And we didn't make millions on the Cowboys. And we did not make millions. No no, no millions were made, unfortunately. Teams that he has behind or in front of the Bills, he has the Seahawks, Vikings, Giants, Jags, Cowboys, Chargers, Ravens, Browns, Jets, 49ers, Dolphins, Mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of teams like that. Um, He did say that he had a very similar gut feeling with Denver last year. And you know what, if you've got a team like that, you know, I ignored my gut feeling with Denver last year as well. And it cost me, I mean, didn't cost me, but I was wrong to do that. Um, so if he's riding with his gut here and he just thinks that there's going to be a big fall off here in Buffalo,
1: but the, uh, the situations aren't at all the same
0: at yeah. all. No. And like, Zero. like I mentioned a couple episodes ago, like the situation's kind of similar with New York and Denver. Um, you have a head coach who's been here for three or four years. You have a quarterback who's been here in the system for going in. He's going into year six now, uh, with this team, why good wide receipt, one good wide receiver connection that has proved to work. Um, the offensive line is not good, but you know, the defense in Buffalo still significantly better than what Denver was running out last year and this year as well. We'll see, you know, if he's right, he's going to take the biggest victory lap. Um, that we may have had in the history of the books podcast um and i hope that a lot of people see this i wish we maybe brought this up at the beginning so then people would be like what the fuck is this but you know all the people that stuck Those around, who stuck the around the end, till the end you're gonna leave a comment because you're gonna be like you know why is tyler employed um <laughs> but yeah <laughs> just wanted to bring that up because i felt like it was too good not to bring up um because like i said that was easily i mean if you do Five, six, three, you're coming out about an average ranking of fifth, maybe a little, maybe fourth, depending on where the other teams are at. Um, and I mean, they still rank sixth here, even with Tyler putting them at 15th, uh, just because they were a little bit ahead of a couple teams below them, like in the average. Um, but yeah, dragged them down a good bit because of yeah.
1: that. I mean there's an there's if anybody wants to argue that the Bills should be top 5 no question I'm sure that we're going to get those comments I mean I hear you I totally hear you but I mean there's definitely arguments against I can hear and, those as and,
0: well. I, and I think like I had them at 5th like I said um you had them at 6th I think 6th is absolutely a fair ranking like yeah for this team you know there are some legit questions about what their you know, ceiling I think is. the vibe is bad too. Like the, that's, that's a the big thing. thing. The vibe is bad. The roster's mm-hmm. good. The players are good. The quarterback's good. I'd even argue that the coach is good despite what we had them ranked at. But the vibe in Buffalo, like, not good. Because And you know what with Tyler? They just keep running it back. The vibe was not good in Denver
1: last year. And he picked so, up I okay. I can I can understand that. Don't agree. But I can totally understand where he's coming from. But all right, man. Well, that just about does it for our sixth ranked Buffalo Bills power rankings episode. And oh, my God, I'm going to start crying. As I about to say, uh, we're about to roll through our last five teams in the power ranking segment. I've uh, doing yeah, so it all
0: summer. Leave a comment. Teams that are left in alphabetical order. So I don't give anything away and make sure. Yeah. 49ers, Bengals, Chiefs, Eagles, Ravens. That's your top 5. Leave a comment, let us know who you think is going to be number 5. You've probably only got about a day to do so. So don't like be like, well, I might comment, like comment immediately because you don't want to look like a liar. That's the last exactly. thing. Exactly.
1: And we will accuse you of being a liar yes, live I will, I will on the Bits podcast. I will, yeah,
0: I will. I will. We call I will people bring out receipts. We will. He calls out Walter. accounts an episode. <laughs>
1: luckily i've been able to avoid calling out walter and i've seen that walter has not watched the last few episodes to come back please come back walter i love you man you can shit on me all day it's oh, fine as also, long as you're watching the episode
0: for those of you returning from the Chargers episode far and away our best episode to this point um pretty close to doubling our entire view count from the channel um yes for like but let's last build month. upon this all, my, all the subscribers, all the viewers that are coming back, thank you so much. Uh, literally, um, jaw dropped yesterday, did a little lap around my room. Uh, could not believe it. But for all the new subscribers here, thank you so much for joining. Um, and we'll hope to keep bringing you good content.
1: Hell yeah, man. We look forward to it. But we will catch you on the next one. Peace.